Janine Bogart with uh, uh, Veterans Legal Institute. I want to thank you for being here. Um, I actually have, um, my father was in the Air Force. My brother was 30 years Navy that just retired a few years ago. Um, and uh, when I heard about your organization, I was so excited that you were going to be on our show today. Um, can't wait to hear more about your story, about the organization, the the work that you do for veterans. Um, so just thank you so much for taking your time and being with us today. Thank you, Tom. Veterans Legal Institute, thank you um, for highlighting us today. Um, veterans Legal Institute is the only legal services provided to our veterans in need um, and going through a crisis. Uh, we have been around now for 10 years in 2024. It'll be our 10th anniversary, um, and we're very happy to be on your show. Thank you. Awesome. And in our prep call, did did I hear it right that you're the only pro bono legal um, organization in the world? Uh, in the world, I couldn't answer you truthfully, but definitely here in the U.S., we are the only pro bono, um, which means free services um, for underserved veterans here. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. And how did this organization kind of come to be? So 10 years old now, um, you know, who, who started it? Who was the founder and what was the, the reasoning behind starting the organization? Well, it, actually, it's, it's, it's a great story. Our founder, which is Antoinette Baltanet Nador, um, she also was in the State Guard um, for California. Um, she had served for six years herself. Um, she'd worked as a JAG officer. So she had seen the need um, for when our military was, you know, sent home that you have legal services when you're in the military. Um, what happens when you're now you're back home? Um, you're now, uh, you know, trying to reestablish a life, um, you know, redevelop a career even with, you know, to support your spouse, your children. Um, and yet, there are so many roadblocks that our veterans face. Um, and I think the one thing that all Americans can agree on is that our veterans are incredibly underserved. Um, we have to, they, our, our fighters do need us to fight for them now because they're, they're coming back home at a great disadvantage. Um, many who, who also are suffering from PTSD, a variety um, of, of physical, and mental trauma, um, and there's nobody to fight for them regarding their benefits, regarding securing them decent housing for the families that they come back to. Um, so yeah, we are the only people. We, I mean, we, we're the last, we, we're actually just the, the last place um, that they can find um, for mm. help and assistance. Um, so Antoinette, yes, um, it did a, a fabulous job and is filling a great need here. Um, you know, the issue for us is that we are overwhelmed with applications from veterans that are in a crisis immediately today and need our help. Um, and we do need to expand and we need the people around us that care about them to help us expand these services. How many applications do you get a year and, and how many are you able to actually like help and serve? Well, we've, we've already served well over 10,000 veterans. Um, we generally are getting, though, 
anywhere from 12 to 1400 applications a year. That's growing hmm. though exponentially right now. Um, we're, we're getting an additional two, 300 a month um, that we have a delay in processing because we just don't have the ability. Um, I mean, we, we have a, we are very fortunate in that we have such support um, of especially Orange County attorneys that are working for us and with us for our veterans. Um, but the numbers are just growing. Um, so yes, we need to grow to support that. And you, it's 12 to 1400 applications. Is that just California or is that across yes. the country? Yes. No, just wow. here. Yeah. So and it's, it's, I, it's a large number, Tom. Yeah, that's a that's amazing that just one state is uh, is supplying that many applications. And I know that you guys currently only support California with a plan to hopefully roll out across the country. What are some of the maybe the things or the resources you need to help kind of branch into other states? Well, again, what we need is is the support of the people. Um, the reason that Veterans Legal Institute exists is because there is an adequate support for our veterans. Um, mm -hmm. And we need that as far as, yes, you know, bring us your treasure, volunteer for us, um, help us work um, with our veterans and for our veterans. So volunteering, um, donating, um, and being available um, to assist us in any way that that may be, whether it's getting the word out, creating visibility, sharing our posts, letting even our veterans know what services we are available to provide for them are all things that will help us grow. Mm. So with the volunteering aspect, what type of volunteer volunteering uh, activities, events do you have that people could uh, potentially go to your website, find and volunteer for? Well, we have our yearly event. Um, we just completed one called Warriors for Lawyers. Um, we do that every year. We need so many more volunteers for that to help us with the auctions, to help us with directing, um, you know, the people who are attending. Um, at, there's a hundred different um, avenues of interest that a volunteer can apply for. Um, we also have yearly throughout the year phone calls that need to be made, um, postcards that need to be written out, um, social media mm. posts that we would appreciate being shared and blasted. And the large majority of contact can be done by Zoom. So we don't, you know, we don't require that anyone's in front of us or in my office. Um, so today, especially, you know, post COVID, it's a great opportunity. We all know how to use the Zoom um, and we do hold volunteer meetings via Zoom. So you can oh. be anywhere and assist us. Very nice. What, what is the most common, I guess, issue that a veteran might come for legal services for? Uh, the, there's quite a few common ones. Um, housing is certainly, a, you know, a big one on the list. Um, securing disability benefits. Um, you know, many times a veteran returns, you know, the, mili our military service members return home and they are unaware of a condition. Um, you know, going back to Vietnam, uh, mm -hmm. we still have veterans suffering from Agent Orange. Uh, you know, so, so there is so many issues with continuing disability, um, adding disabilities that were unknown. 
at the time and not attributable necessarily um, at the time that, you know, that they were separated from the military. Um, so yeah, I, I would say disability, housing, but of course we cover everything from health. Uh, obviously health is a large, you know, medical concerns, health concerns overall. And the process of course for filing all of this is somewhat daunting. Um, especially when our, yeah, our military return home, it's, it's a bit much. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, people that put their life on the line for you, uh, meaning the representatives, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the American people because American people have a little bit to say, but it's the representatives. I feel that, uh, kind of hold a lot of the, the weight here, um, that they don't, some of them put a lot of uh, effort into supporting veterans. Um, others may or may not. It's you know they don't really make a uh, a large announcement about their their stance on it. But sure. uh, I think everybody, even listening, one, I think your organization is doing a great job to one bring uh, awareness to people like myself that even though I had a father and a brother that are veterans. Like I never realized how much, um, how lucky those the, those two were to not necessarily need anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's millions um, of veterans out there that still don't uh, aren't that lucky that need support. Um, the overwhelming and- majority need our support. Um, yeah. You know, I, I come from a family generational military since the American Revolution. And many of us at Veterans Legal Institute are either military ourselves um, or children of of veterans. Um, So, you know, we know firsthand um, the issues um, and and they start immediately. Um, You know, uh, you, you, you are now, you know, thrown back into civilization. You need to find and secure work. Um, you know, you need to immediately, yes, support your family. Um, military pensions have never been <laughs> anything mm-hmm. that has been, um, you know, <laughs> it has been enough to support, um, you know, a large family. Let's put it that way to say the least. Yeah. Um, so it is an economic, emotional and mental struggle for, for all of our veterans. Um, coming back home and trying to re-engage in civilian life and thrive. Um, Hmm. So, you know, the least that we can do is secure good housing, um, keep their families and their children secure, just like they've kept us secure. So, yeah, I think Hmm. that's a priority. It should be for our legislative um, parties. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, so you didn't start in the nonprofit world. You actually started for a for-profit company. Uh, give me a little bit about your background and how did you, uh, you find your way over to the Veteran, uh, Veterans Legal Institute? Well, well, I, I think I worked for political campaigns for the past six or seven years. Um, I've worked on presidential campaigns as a director. I've worked in campaign strategic management um, for other positions um, on political campaigns. And as far as the similarities, though, are are really staggering. Um, The nonprofit world, you know, you require the heart um, and the belief in what you're doing to do it well. And everyone here at VLI unquestionably um, exhibits those traits and it's why I'm with VLI. Um, 
the the only issue is we need a balance between that nonprofit heart and that for-profit mind. Um, and not in the sense of us, we're not dealing in gain from this, but our veterans need to be supported. And that support does come from, yes, financially being viable, being able to process everything from paperwork and the support staff needed um, to get their legal work done, to support them when they aren't being treated fairly, um, when there are things that are simply wrongful. Um, we, we need to merge those two frames of thought. Um, yes, we, we need to be heartfelt, but we also need to be business-like in the sense of in order, in order to help them, we, we need to, to a degree, run as a business on one hand. Yeah. Um, in order to really execute the mission and the dream, you know, and like what we talked before, um, you know, there's the concept of a mission. There's also the concept of a movement. And what Veterans Legal Institute does isn't merely a mission. It's not just a belief system. We're actually doing the work. We are solving our veteran problems. We are keeping them housed. Um, we are uh, we are allowing them to move forward with dignity. We're allowing them to maintain self-sufficiency um, when they reincorporate their lives, you know, um, here back at home. Um, so these things really are necessary. Um, so, yes, you know, bottom line, a nonprofit heart and, and a, a for profit mind moving forward mm. so we can serve them better and certainly serve more of our veterans, which is ultimately our goal. Yeah, and I uh, I kind of want to stay on the point of uh, running a nonprofit like a business because I think a lot of people, whether they're starting a nonprofit or maybe they've been in it for a while, they might not have come from the business world. And there's so many skills that you learn in the business world that that apply to nonprofits today because if you have no money, you have no mission. You have nothing that you can give out. And I feel like you know, having people come from uh, the outside world, outside the nonprofits, from a for-profit to a nonprofit can mm -hmm. really help to grow um, a nonprofit um, to new levels than, than trying to learn it on your own, right? Of course. Um, and learn you all know, the skills. It, our dream is to turn this around. Um, and for that dream to turn into a reality, we require that support. Um, you know, we've required people to say, hey, enough of this. Um, these people wrote out a blank check to the U.S. government, you know, up to including their lives. Um, we deserve to fight, yet they deserve that when they come back, to have someone fight for them, their right to live, yes, a decent life and raise their families in dignity dignity and self-sufficiency. There is really no question about that. And I don't think there's an American here that doesn't see that as well. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do. But in order to implement it, yes, you know, you do have to balance business with the nonprofit for sure. Yeah. How many fundraisers, you know, do you guys run per year? And, you know, 
what are like some of the ones that maybe 10 years ago or the last, you know, five, you know, five to 10 years ago um, that you guys started with that maybe a, a smaller nonprofit that's just starting out now, um, you know, could kind of get their feet wet and really have a little bit of success. And are yeah. there also the second part of that question? Are there any things that you've done in the past, meaning fundraising or just running the nonprofit that failed that would be good advice to to a, another nonprofit that's just starting out that hasn't experienced the the pain or the failure yet? Well, I think for all, all nonprofits, uh, particularly ones that are starting out um, and are small, should definitely start with fundraisers that are community based. Um, where they can engage freely, hopefully get some free press um, that's local. Um, start on the level of trying to get other organizations, small businesses, your chamber of commerces, um, to become involved in what you're doing. Um, have meetings with them. Let them know the value to their community for what they're doing. Um, if they have the support of that, um, just local newspapers, um, local businesses, chamber of commerces, they can work from that, um, you know, as a foundation into larger fundraisers after. Um, and basically do a lot of community outreach. And this is where volunteers come in handy for all of us, whether small or large, uh, because the more volunteers you have, the more people you can meet with. You mm -hmm. can show them the need and what the value is to your community directly. So that to me is always, you know, the foundation um, for developing a fundraiser. Um, and then as far as failures on fundraisers is obviously going in above and beyond your budget in the hopes of acquiring at least what what was financially laid out um, for that budget. So budgeting is crucial. Um, you know, a, a new a new a startup um, should definitely try to acquire um, gifts, services, again, from local businesses um, to donate towards the fundraiser. So maybe just start with an auction um, and a fundraiser that's out at a local fun, uh, fairgrounds. Um, that is something, you know, they can, they can rent or be given space freely um, and have donations for things to give away and create excitement of services or goods from local businesses. That, that would always be my recommendation for a new um, nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, I, I talk with a lot of nonprofits, some extremely br uh, brand new. And some of these people started a nonprofit thinking that, oh, I have a nonprofit. People are just going to give to me. That's yeah. not the case. Like you have to get out there and work it just like you're growing a business. Like of it's course. a lot of work. You have to build contacts. You have to you know, you have to follow up with people, you yeah. know, if you really, if you believe in the mission and you uh, want to grow this organization, you have to put in the work and you have to treat it like a business. And, um, you know, it's basically, uh, you know, it, it's a, you know, a, an eight hour a day job, you know, easily. Um, <laughs> it, especially it's when more you're than starting. an eight hour job, yeah. <laughs> eight hour a day job, especially when you have a new nonprofit. Um, yeah. Even today, there is no one on our staff 
that probably puts in an eight hour a day, five day a week. Um, mm. we, we are all engaged in, in the thousand needs, even the recent event we had. Um, it, it takes more than a standard work week, but that's where the nonprofit heart comes in. Yeah. You must believe in your mission for other people to believe in your mission. And that yeah. means it's not Monday to Friday. It's not how many hours. It's what's needed to get it done. Mm -hmm. And that truly is a separation between nonprofit and for-profit. Yeah. And, and I liked uh, your advice that you said, don't like have a realistic expectation of an event and don't go out of your means hoping that it will be a home run um, yes. because you'll end up either breaking even or ups or worse off upside down mm -hmm. um, and losing money. And we've, uh, I've seen quite a few people do that um, even at our local, like my kids schools, PTO fundraisers. Yes. Uh, it's like, what, why are you spending money on this? It's like, you're never going to raise any enough money to pay for any of this. this um, but you know, you, you, sometimes you just have to be realistic and, and set good expectations. And, and, uh, I love that, that, uh, yeah. that advice. And I think it's going to be great. Yeah. It, it has to be built and, and it comes slow in the beginning. Um, yeah. you know, as far as, you know, veterans legal Institute, even now, 10 years later, um, you know, the efforts never end, um, the amount of time, um, and energy that is put in, I mean, across our staff. Um, it doesn't matter what role one plays. We are all proactive and getting our, our, our entire, I, I, I mean, platform out there because uh, people just, I mean, we have the internet now. We have a variety of social platforms, social media platforms. Um, all of this takes um, the, it takes the energy and effort by all of us to create this movement towards making this mission powerful and effective for our veterans. And no matter what stage any nonprofit's at, you need to have that. That is the nonprofit part. You need to feel that and you need to own that um, because it's going to be hard moving uphill and it's going to take that energy and it's going to take that investment of your time. Um, but you need, you need to own that your organization matters. Um, and we certainly know that ours does. Um, and all of us that work here are very willing to put in that time, that extra energy to see that our veterans are taken care of. Yeah. That's amazing. Who do you think would be, uh, for a small nonprofit, I feel whenever you're going out and you're finding people to help join your nonprofit, it's always great if you can find somebody with a skill set that you need, like maybe marketing or social media or grant writing, um, or even operational management legal, um, you know, to kind of maybe join your board just so that you have people when you're starting off that can do a little bit of, of those things to help you grow. Out of Absolutely. all of like some of those that I just mentioned, are there any that you feel um, for like your number two board member for a nonprofit, who would, who would be that person that you think would be the most valuable addition uh, when you're first starting out? I, I, I think for every board and our board certainly has um, effective chairs that deal with strategy and deal with, yes, communications um, and have, you know, skill sets. 
um, within their own job positions in the real world for them um, that apply there. Um, I would think that, yeah, the second most necessary person on a board is someone with, yes, a strategic skill set. Yeah. And not just strategy in the sense of ideology, but application. Um, somebody that knows how to take the idea and knows how to fill in the how do we do it mm. part. Um, yeah. And to have board a board member initially who can help you with the how part is crucial. Yeah. Yeah, almost like uh, an integrator. So in business, there's a book called Traction, uh, and it talks about the the CEO is the visionary, and then their COO is the integrator that basically takes the vision and, and is able to easily implement it. Something mm -hmm. that maybe the visionary doesn't have the skill sets to actually take and, and do. Uh, right. So it almost sounds like you know having that that same structure almost for a nonprofit, depending on you know, what, what role you fit in as maybe the founder of the organization, um, sure. you know, is definitely helps to kind of have that role of someone that, that can be the, the cheerleader of the vision and, Hey, this is where we're going is what we want to try to achieve. And then having that operator that will kind of make sure they, they got like the boots on the ground and they can go out and actually put the pieces in place well, to make it a reality. Then you have project management and execution whether that's for-profit or non-profit, right? It's the yeah. how to do this, how to make that happen. So yes, to have someone like that on any board is invaluable. How many people um, do you currently have that help you on a, on a daily basis or, or um, you know, that, that are kind of in your world that are constantly contributing to the organization? As far as you mean actual staff, Tom? Yeah, I mean, staff, attorneys, volunteers, like, um, I mean, there, well, we have, we have relatively small staff for the size of an organization that we run, but we are a nonprofit. We rely a great deal upon our pro bono attorneys. Our staff only goes into 20 something. Hmm. Um, so approximately 25 on staff. Um, and that is the wonder of us that we do have so many people that are moved by the circumstance that are willing to assist us and yes, give us their skill set um, to apply pro bono. It, I, I'm just amazed about your organization. I, I love it so much. Um, how can people, um, you know, if they want to help contribute, volunteer, what's the best way to get in contact with you guys? And, and how do you want them to kind of uh, show up for you? Well, I mean, obviously we have our website, which is vetslegal.org. Um, on that website, they will find links to call, to volunteer. Um, but I am also fairly open um, and, and will we'll give you my number where you can, mm -hmm. you, you can uh, put it out there for, for a period of time um, to speak to anybody directly. Um, but as far as we will get back to anybody who contacts us within a matter of hours, if nice. they go to our website. And as far as volunteers, do you ever have veterans that just need people to talk to, to maybe talk through tough situations? You use volunteers for that, or is it mostly just legal, um, you know, issues? I mean, we are largely 
yes, they need to talk about the legal issues, which, <laughs> believe it or not, the legal issues are generally what are causing them distress. Mm. Um, so resolving those legal issues, Tom, generally resolves their distress um, because the distress is generated from something that is wrongful, something that is unfair, something that is unresolved, or something that they simply just can't um, afford to pay for um, from, you know, with legal services being the price they are out there. Um, so mm -hmm. when we resolve those problems, we generally resolve their stress. Um, you know, that's that's the beauty of what we do. Um, it's it's not merely solving a legal dilemma. That legal dilemma is keeping families together, keeping them housed, keeping them safe, warm, fed. Um, so believe it or not, when you resolve those legal issues, you, you resolve an awful lot. Hmm. Well, it seems like, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, and anybody that can volunteer, contribute, just reach out. Um, Janine, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been a wonderful. Um, I, I loved hearing about uh, the organization. I hope a lot of people can, you know, get to your website. Where we're going to make sure we post your link, your donation link. We're going to get it out there for you. And um, I'm really hoping that the Veterans Legal Institute will kind of see uh, some traffic come through uh, and we can do our part to kind of shine some light on you and your organization. Um, it's just, uh, it's been an amazing journey here today. So I yes. definitely appreciate you joining us. Yeah, and we appreciate you having us on, Tom. Um, every Everyone that can chip in, it, it's really irrelevant how much for every $5 that somebody chips in, we're basically doubling that in their legal services. Um, they're, they're just, it, it's just so fundamentally great that we have lawyers willing to do this. I, I mean, for free, we just need, we, we have a few hundred every month that we just need to help a bit quicker. We have more coming on every day. Um, so small or large, Donations will go directly to these cases. Um, these situations are going to be handled immediately. So any monies towards our veterans that are in need will go directly to help them. There's no question there. Um, that is what it's for. And we process what we can immediately and effectively. Um, we have a ton of videos. If anybody in your audience would like to look at that are on YouTube, as well as our website, um, which again is vetslegal.org. Um, and I would love to hear from anybody interested in helping um, or contributing in any way. So thank you, Tom. Perfect. We'll make sure to add all those links uh, into the bio. And, um, you know, if anybody needs any more information, please reach out. Um, Janine, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Have a good one. <laughs>